Colter, you know what I call people who only grill in the summers? What's that, Gus? Morons. There's no better time to grill than in the middle of winter, boots on, snow falling, nose freezing, meat sizzling. And if you want to be the master of the winter grill, you got to make sure you're stocked up on Alpine Touch. The pepper blend is an old standby. The, the prairie fire will certainly keep you warm on the inside during the cold winter, and the chili sublime will remind you of warmer summer days to come. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around the state of Montana or at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Pumps, Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Tuesdays with Tutel back for a Christmas edition. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. We're doing this uh, on the in-between week. I don't even have pants on, but it's my week off. We're just wearing, <laughs> we're, we're just hanging out. But Ryan was like, what are you doing? You want to you wanna go? I know you're not doing the show, the uh, ESPN show this week. I said, hey, I got all I've been doing is trying to read all my books. So uh, Merry Christmas, Gus. How you doing? What'd you get? Did you get anything fun for Christmas? Well, Merry Christmas. Um, my wife got me a very nice bottle of uh, rye whiskey. Wow. Which I'm grateful for. Uh, that was excellent. Um, Kai, does, that mean it come, does it come with permission to drink it as well? Uh, I mean, I think it comes <laughs> with a mandate to drink it, really. I mean, no, this we're not collectors here. We're, Good. you know, Good. we take it and we uh, we enjoy. So, yeah, that's fun. Uh, and uh, Kai, my son, uh, bought me a king size Twix bar, so that was also very wow. Fun. Very yeah, good. I mean, yes. go figure. So wow. I'm very difficult to shop for. So my daughter got me some pens. My other daughter drew me a very nice picture and an ornament. So I had a full, uh, full Christmas certainly. So yeah, thank you very much. But yeah, I felt like I mean last week. We said we'd be here this week, so I felt like, you know, as a matter of uh, uh, just following through, we needed to get together here sure. and, uh, you know, fill the gap right here. A lot of people hanging out, chilling out, thinking about, you know, New Year's football and then championship football after New Year's. So it's, uh, yeah, exciting time. Who, uh, Who's better? Brock Purdy or Jordan Love? Uh, Jordan Love. <laughs> I knew. I mean, he he, he he is better. Here's the thing. I love Brock Purdy, dude. I love I do Brock too. Purdy. I do too. Here's here's the thing, dude. You want to know when I knew Jimmy Garoppolo was a was a crap ass quarterback? When he went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's when, because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have consistently had the best team for the past probably five years in the nfl and more, and often, more often than anybody else in the nfl besides the patriots over the last 10 years right for sure i mean if you just talk about the collection of talent the dudes that they get and putting them together it's unbelievable and san francisco was just so much better than everybody else except for quarterback yeah. And everybody wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be good. And by the way, what's Jimmy Garoppolo doing now? Backing up Aiden O'Connell <laughs> in in Las Vegas, right? I mean, like, I'm sorry, man, but he just, he's not, he ain't it. Yeah. Brock Purdy is legit. Yes. Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. Brock Purdy also has the luxury of playing with the greatest collection of talent that there is in the NFL, bar none. I mean, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. You can talk to me about Baltimore. You can talk to me about Philadelphia. You can talk to me about Kansas City. Anybody you want to. The best 22 players in total are in San Francisco. And if you put Jordan Love as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, they rolling. They are hurt. absolutely rolling. And so, sure. and this, so it's not a knock on Brock Purdy, but I think Jordan Love's good. I do. I, 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 I think, I mean, he's young. He's first year starter. Everybody knows this, but like, and and by the way, Green Bay, thank you very much for bringing up my Packers. Is the youngest team in the NFL, at least sure, offensively. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, I I I think Jordan Love is 
He's coming. We're on. We're on to something. Now, I'm not yeah. saying he's, you know, the next in the lineage of Favre and Rogers sure. and whatever. Sure. I'm just saying he's good. He's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, I was just watching the game last night too, and uh, of course, I was struck first by, like, bro- as Bill Simmons tweeted last night, Brock Purdy is the unequivocal MVP of content creation, regardless who's the MVP of of the NFL, because. Even we, who are talking mostly Big Sky Conference and FCS football on Tuesdays with Tutel, we're talking about him because he is just a lightning rod. I also couldn't help but think, though, no matter how good you are at quarterback, if both your tackles get hurt in a primetime game, you're screwed. You're just screwed. I mean, Jadavion Clowney has, what, a quarter of a tank of gas left? But if you give him two backup tackles to go against, he's getting three sacks. Beasting. (laughs) Beasting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing too is okay. So Brock Purdy goes out there and throws four interceptions. Obviously, like yeah. there's no scenario under which you can do that. Um, one of those was a real bad interception. One of those was a pretty bad interception, and two of those are just call them great defensive plays, call them the tough luck bounces. Um, you know, and and it is what it is. And then obviously Sam Darnold comes in goes down the field you go whoa look at sam darnold and then of course he finishes her off with the fifth interception of the night uh so you know shout out to the ravens i mean i sit here and say the best collection of talents in san francisco that's true but the the ravens uh the ravens are the real deal for sure too and i i mean i'm just with everybody else where um it's nothing's a guarantee when you get to the postseason but if i was betting right now i'd put that as your super bowl you know i really would i think that has all the all the makings of uh, our, our February February uh, season capper between the uh, Niners and the and the Ravens. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities, bringing a world class fiber network to homes, communities, and businesses of all sizes. Ensures Montanans have access to fast, reliable, and secure internet and phone services. Are you ready for fiber internet? To find out if fiber is coming to your area, visit goblackfoot.com slash ready for fiber. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Well, as we sit here and we prepare for this FCS title game, mm. the the overwhelming things that are happening on on sort of the, the Big Sky Conference and FCS Twitter stratosphere and, and like the conversations that are being had nationally are twofold. They're one but all the teams that aren't playing and all the players that all those teams are losing and uh, where they might be going. What does that mean for the FCS? And the other one is just the sort of the tail of the tape between South Dakota state and Montana. And when you look at the statistics, Montana has very impressive defensive statistics. South Dakota state has ridiculous statistics across the board, but it's really funny to me because my number one, thought so far in sort of watching this from the outside looking in we've been doing tons of content ourselves but it's been more retrospective content talking about the Grizz season to this point the big sky conference season to this point the great game against NDSU and and how we got here but I, I I kept thinking to myself the number one thing that this Grizz team has that's not quantifiable by statistical measure is the true element of being a team. There's not a statistic for how often does every guy on the team do their job and nothing more and nothing less. There's no statistic for that. But I think that that's what makes this team so good. And I kept thinking with all these different, you know, people keep asking me, oh, the Grizz are just kind of above this transfer portal thing right now because their season hasn't finished. When their season finishes, what's going to happen? Are they going to have a mass exodus? And I keep thinking to myself, that's what makes this team so interesting is Eli Gilman, National Freshman of the Year, he could probably go somewhere. Junior Bergen, million-dollar smile, and Mr. Electricity, he could go somewhere. Most of the guys on this team, though, I don't know where they could go, but I also don't know if they would want to. I think that's what makes this team special. So it's sort of these Mm -hmm. sort of colliding narratives right now as we think about this Grizz team going to Frisco. Yeah, it's true. You know, there there is such a thing as – being in uh being in the right place for you like everybody wants to get better and do bigger and you know whatever whatever but like um for instance brock purdy is a hundred percent gonna be the best version of brock purdy as a 49ers quarterback 
you know, like, he's, right. he, you know, the, it, it just matters that he's there. Um, and I think if you take most of the guys on the Grizz defense, like, okay, yeah, Alex Governor, could he play uh, nose tackle a lot of places and, and be great? Yes, he could. Um, and a lot of those players, you know, the, the, the linebackers, the secondary for the Grizzlies would obviously be good players on other teams but they'll never be better than what they are both as individual players. And then in terms of team goals and attaining, uh, you know, uh, to a national championship now than what they are at the university of Montana. And I think that is to your point, that's part of what makes a team right. Is, is where you have brought out the best in yourself and you're bringing out the best in each other uh, on the field. And, and that is, that is friendship that is uh, interpersonal, you know, cohesion in general. It's not an easy thing to get to when you got a hundred dudes and not everybody's everybody's best friend. And there's always going to be rivalry or whatever on, on a football team. But in general, everybody pulling in the same direction rather than apart. Uh, that's doing the right things of, you know, you told me the anecdote, like what was going on at 6 a.m. the day after the Cat Grizz football game. Grizzly defense lifting in the champion center. That's what was going on the next day, you know, after, you know, what anybody would have got thought was, a, you know, a night of celebration or whatever. Well, you know, guess what that, and that's, that's, that's not coaching. I mean, it is coaching, but there's not coaches saying, Hey, this is, we'll see you in here at 6am, right? This is the team going, Hey, that was the next step. We know where we're, we're not where we're goal, our goals are, where we know where we're headed and we're going to do this all together. And you're right. It's not quantifiable in that sense. South Dakota State's fascinating case study too, because NDSU has dominated the national narrative since 2011. During, and last couple of years, it's certainly been, ooh, have they fallen off? You know, they didn't win it the spring championship year. And then they lost in the national championship game last year. And then they lost in the semifinals this year. So incrementally, they have sort of taken a step back. How can you not when you won nine out of 10? But during that span, when they won nine out of 10, I think they lost 11 or 12 total games. That was the most crazy part is like they went undefeated multiple times. They had, they had the longest winning streak in FCS history, the second longest winning streak in the history of college football at one point. And, but who's the only team that beat NDSU multiple times during that run? South Dakota State. South Dakota State right. beat NDSU five times during that run when they had 11 or 12, something like that, losses. And it was like the question that all Cat and Grizz fans always ask themselves, would you rather beat the rival or win the national championship? Well, there was like four or five different occasions where South Dakota State beat North Dakota State but didn't win the Natty and North Dakota State did instead. So they had that exact you know, parallel rivalry. But that said – there was like this whole narrative going into the NDSU Montana game. Will Montana be intimidated of NDSU? South Dakota state doesn't seem to have that element of t intimidation nationally yet, even though they're making a run. I mean, this is a, they're going for their second straight unbeaten season. Last time they lost a game was to Iowa to open the year last year in a seven to six bloodbath, typical <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Here's an amazing one for you guys. I know you love the Iowa statistics. Iowa, yes. South Dakota state seven to six without scoring a touchdown. They had two safeties and a field goal to get their seven points. You know, uh, one of the greatest moments this college football season uh, for me was Iowa versus Nebraska, and the two fans who wore sweatshirts that just said punts. <laughs> and every time there was a punt, of which there was 26 of them in the football game, these they'd cut to these two guys and they would just go ballistic, not for any team. They didn't have any team gear on. Right. They just said a gray sweatshirt that just said punts. And I just like, man, are we in are we in the Midwest version of the Big Ten or what right here? Right. Uh so yeah, I mean Iowa finding a way to win it, always. Kurt Ferentz, man, he just he just does it. Um but you know, I to go back to the – is it 28 straight now, I think, that the Jackrabbits are at? Eight in a row, yep. Um, notably, with a new head coach, Jimmy yep. Rogers, this year. Now, he's not new to – he's been at SDSU, I think, since 2018. He was the assistant head coach a year ago. He's been there most of his life because he came and left, but he played there as well. Right, right, right. Yep. So he's a, a legacy guy. He knows what the program's about. Um. 
people talk about NDSU kind of falling off and, and it, it compared to just winning every national championship every year. Um, you know, it's, you're hard pressed to say a double overtime loss in the semifinal is, is like a bad season. Um, but also what you also got to say is North Dakota state set a bar higher than anybody had ever set it before, but the programs that wanted it, they had to go chase them and figure out how they're going to do it. And for sure, South Dakota state has done that has become a program that, that saw where they had the hurdle they had to get over, how high they had to climb the fence, however we want to say, and they made it happen at a program level. They went and did it, and they have overtaken now North Dakota State, um, being obviously the defending national champions, having beat North Dakota State pretty soundly here last couple of years, and being back in the national championship again this year. Uh, I realize it didn't play out that way this year because of the SEC championship game, but it's not unlike Alabama and Georgia, right? Where you had Alabama and Nick Saban just winning year after year after year, and then Kirby Smart goes to Georgia and knows he's got the makings of, of a monster and then takes that thing. And they won like 28 in a row and two national championships. And their one loss cost them a chance in a playoff because again, it's not actually a playoff yet uh, at the FCS level. But in any case, that as an aside, and I think there's something to be said for Montana in this respect as well. Certainly chasing North Dakota state on a national scale, but also Having Montana State having been better than the Grizzlies for the last three, four years, um, to have that in your own conference, like it is in the Missouri Valley with the Jackrabbits and the Bison, to have your rival, especially, but anybody who you have to admit, like if you're honest with yourself, they're just better than than we are, whoever the we is in this case, if it's Montana. How is how are the Grizzlies going to get better? Well, the first thing is to track down Montana State. And this year, they were able to do that. And in so doing, they actually found themselves being the best that they've been since Bobby Hopp was here the last time that he was here. And I think it's pretty uh, pretty interesting when, you know, there's, there's, these, there's these sort of different um, states that programs can be in one is, is rebuilding or trying to build from the bottom. Two is trying to take the next step three, which is where Montana has been, has been trying to regain reattain to the top of the big sky conference and national prominence. Right. And then the, the top one is being national champions and just being the, the best team in the country and then trying to hold on to that and staying on the top. Right. And um, North Dakota state, did that for a decade and it's unlikely anybody else will ever do it like that. Um, South Dakota state is doing that right now, attempting to do that right now. If they win this game, then you have to say they have done it, that they were, they were the best team in the, in the, in the country last year, stamped it with a national championship, came in undisputed number one team in the country this year and run the table. If they, if they win on January 7th, and they have now done the thing where they were the best and they stayed the best and they extended out over everybody. So uh, whether that happens or not remains to be seen, but that's the goal that they're having where Montana is now sitting there, you know, at the mountaintop and can they, can they finish the deal and get to that point? But no question Montana is the hunter in that sense, and NDSU is the hunt, or SDSU is the hunted. Like they're the ones who are out there. But I also think, to your, as you said, the Jackrabbits don't have that same aura yet that North Dakota State had. Right. Uh, and even for the Grizzlies to be North Dakota State, you know, uh, in the semifinal was like, if it's literally any other team, it just isn't quite the same hurdle where it's like, it's still the damn bison out there. You know, it's still that program. It's still those dudes. Yes. It's still that lineage and that history. And you got to beat all of that in. And then also yes. the players on the field in that game. So that's a huge win. SDSU doesn't have that as of yet, but I also don't think that SDSU could give a rip 
who they're playing on Saturday or, you know, in the national championship. I think they're like, come get us. You know, I think that's the attitude they have. And that, that is, uh, it's going to make for a great game. So let me, let me present a theory to you. Cause I'm glad you just hashed that all that out because first of all, some history. North Dakota State won its first North Central Conference Championship in 1965. So that's 58 years ago. They have won 37, 37 conference championships in that time. 37 out of 58. Yeah. To put that in perspective, the Cats and the Grizz have been unbelievable in the 60-year history of the Big Sky Conference. I believe that they cumulatively have 36 Big Sky Conference titles between between them. them. That's I mean, so that's like that's an incredible thing to say, right? And North that's while basically staying at the same level the whole way, where NDSU right. has been doot, 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 just right. like this. That's yeah. right. North North Dakota State also has seventeen, count them, seventeen national titles. Yeah, uh, eight of the Division Two ranks. Uh, the first one coming in nineteen sixty five, and the last coming in nineteen ninety, and then nine in the uh, FCS ranks. So 17 total national titles. That's more than Alabama. That's more than Penn State. That's more than everybody, I believe. I, I think maybe Notre Dame is up there, but I really don't think there's anybody that has more uh, national titles cumulatively. Put this in perspective, South Dakota State has made the FCS playoffs every single year since 2009, and they've been in the Final Four six out of the last seven years. Before that, South Dakota State had been to the postseason once in the history of their program. All of their D2 days, all of this rivalry with North Dakota State and the North Central Conference wasn't a rivalry. South Dakota State was nothing. South Dakota State couldn't even make the D2 playoffs or do any of that. All of their success has come since moving up to D1 in 2008 and since first time making the playoffs in 2009. So that brings me to my my theory here. I actually think that this South Dakota State team, man for man, from Mark Gronowski at quarterback to Isaiah Davis at running back to a couple NFL offensive linemen and an NFL tight end to the best inside linebacker in the whole FCS, I think they are one of the three or four most talented teams that I've ever seen at the football championship subdivision level since covering it. Yet, I don't think they have this massive intimidation factor because they have fans, but they're almost all new. <laughs> they're all they've all been in on this since they first started pouring money into the program 10 12 14 you know 16 years ago or whatever great job by them by the administration and uh, everybody from saying okay hey how do we catch north coast state facilities we gotta you know we gotta do all these things to be able to compete they built a beautiful new stadium a beautiful new practice facility all that sort of stuff that all plays into it i just think that there's a level there where like NDSU fans has generations of fans that are used to doing nothing but winning championships. South Dakota State has this this relatively young fan base that's getting used to it, but they don't necessarily have it. Yeah, I mean, I I think from a fan base perspective, I mean, all you got to do is is watch the games, and you can see like it's nice new facilities. The stadium's two thirds to three quarters full. Yep. It's not a huge stadium in the first place. It's not, I mean, it's an enclosed stadium. So it's not, you know, it's not like an open-ended, like a Weber state type of scenario, but um, you know, they've, and and by the way, it's for reference sake, 19,340 is what it holds. Uh, That's the, uh, the capacity. And they've only had uh, in terms of full on capacity of over 1900, they've only had six crowds since the stadium opened in uh 2016 that have been over that six times yeah um whereas the group sold out eight games this year (laughs) but you also gotta like i mean for what it's worth it's brookings i've been to brookings i don't know why there's a college there at all like i don't know for sure what what for those that haven't been to brookings brookings south dakota is on the uh East central border, basically of South Dakota, it's population about 23,000. It's, it's the size of, I don't know. What's it comparable to Gus? It's like, it's not even as big as Butte, right? Like, yeah, it's Helena. Helena. Is it even as yeah. as Helena though? Like, it's, no, it isn't. It, it's, it's, a it's, fine it's, little it's, town. it's very, it's very odd. And look, like there's a lot of schools that are in weird, like, I mean, why would, I mean, What's the biggest cities in Alabama? Okay, but Tuscaloosa? The only reason anyone knows that there's a place called Tuscaloosa is because the University of Alabama is there. Tuscaloosa yeah. ain't much going on except for the fact that they have this 
this monolith of a university and obviously an athletic program that's going there. So sometimes that happens. What I'm saying though, is all the more kudos to the athletic department and, and the boosters and the people who have decided that they want, you know, to, to invest in, uh, you know, time resources, uh, 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 human resources and the rest to make that thing what it has become. Um, and, and yes, you're going to have a tough time. Like the fan base, when you're talking about a city, that's a quarter or a fifth, the size of Missoula, um, and an even more sparsely populated, frankly, state than Montana. I mean, I think they're actually pretty close per capita on the, on the, you know, the, the people per square mile deal, but Western Montana has a lot more people in it. If you put the continental divide up there, than what South Dakota has at, sure. you know, at large. So anyway, draw, I mean, you're drawn from Butte. That's all, you know, it's 90 minutes oh, away. You're drawn from Helena, Kalispell, Kalispell, down to Bitterroot. There's there's a ton of people. I mean, a ton of people by North Dakota by, and South Dakota, Montana standards. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, and, and that's the thing is like Fargo, Fargo's booming, dude. I mean, Fargo's, you know Fargo's big. Fargo's way bigger than Missoula. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like that, you know, that's like a, a, a real place. So for this to be happening in and around Brookings, like, to have a stadium that you're justified at being 19,000 at capacity, which I didn't realize it was even that big is impressive. It really is. Um, but yeah, the, that said is that the, especially in a national championship at a neutral site, which is going to be a Montana heavy crowd. Join town pumps, pump it up rewards plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. What really matters is the swagger of the kids on the field. Right. And I I think that both these teams have a ton of it. Like I think they have a ton of it. And that that is exciting. And and I don't think I mean I, I certainly wouldn't sit here and say that Montana was intimidated by North Dakota State. They won the football game. But there is there just is a reality to having North Dakota State on the other side of the, the, the field from you that, that no other team in the country has period. Okay. And so these are two teams that don't, that, that are just not afraid of anything and don't come in with, I mean, Montana's certainly after NDSU, you got to say is, is as deep and rich a history and football tradition as any other you know, program in the country, certainly oh, no. as much as, as South Dakota State. Well, and imagine, so I don't think anybody's going much, in here going. Imagine how much Montana, we're Montanans, and we live most of our lives in Montana. Imagine how much Montana would be talked about even more on a national level if they weren't two and five in national championship games. Right. Imagine if Montana was five and two in national championship games. Yeah. It's yeah. just a totally different thing, right? Even if you just, you know, like – App State's little little window, not little, it's a it's a good window, but they won back to back. Like that colors everything so much different. Or Georgia Southern won it under multiple different like generations of Georgia Southern, or like Youngstown State and Jim Trestle was dominant for that period. Marshall was dominant for that period. Montana's like somewhere in this no man's land where they're not in that top six or seven FCS dynasties ever, but they're like they were almost the Patriots winning like five or six over the span of like 15 or 20 years, like the Spurs or whatever, you know? And so it, there's just like, this, there's this missing piece. And I think Bobby Houck is very aware of that missing piece as well. Yeah. And I mean, you go back to 95, we're almost 30 years removed from the first national championship for the Grizzlies to have been to seven, um, to have been to seven national championships under 
three at least different head coaches, if not four, winning with two different head coaches, mm-hmm. not having yet won with the current head coach, but who's the guy who took them to the most number of those national championship games. Um, That's program level, baby. Sure. You know, like it's one thing when a coach shows, like even Nebraska, Nebraska was an all time national prominent program but it's it's coach osborne who was the who's the the common thread for nebraska's greatness for 30 years he's just there doing it because he's the guy right and he he knew how to get it done and ever since he's been gone even with all the fan base and selling out 370 games in a row whatever it is like nebraska's just like maybe they'll make a bowl game yeah i don't know um that's all about having a great coach and montana certainly has had that for the most part but also, Montana is bigger than just the one singular head coach who came in and made yes. it great. Yes. Um, and so, uh, you know, you got to say that, that 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 matters. And for them to be back again. Now, the other thing is, it's also been quite a while for the Grizzlies since That's they've right. been. So, um, you know, this conversation right. 10 years ago, the yes. Grizzlies were... It was were, seven and 14 years, and then it's been 14 years since they've been back. Right. 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 So you talk about they went to seven national championships in 15 or 18 seasons. That's right. And so that is even with even with being two and five in those games, everybody knew like, oh, yep, there's the University of Montana again, just like always going to another semifinal, whatever, you know, and now it's been a little while since they've been back. And frankly, this is a little this is out of the blue. I mean. I certainly didn't, and especially after the first month of the season, had no, even in my in your wildest dreams imagination, that Montana would be going to Frisco to play for a national championship. Like no chance, and yet here we are. So I mean that that is uh, also a part of this. Tuesdays with Tutel, Ryan Tutel, joining us here, SkyOnSportsMT.com, presented in part by Maldonado Law, Dave Maldonado and his team, best criminal defense. Or personal injury attorneys you'll find anywhere in Montana, visit BigSkyDefender.com. We'll be right back right after this. Has a loved one been charged or accused of a crime? If so, the stress can leave anyone feeling helpless and alone. But you don't have to be alone. Hi, I'm Dave Maldonado, and I've successfully defended Montanans for over a decade in these situations. So if you're tired of being scared, let's get you prepared. To see how, visit BigSkyDefender.com today. You are not alone. Visit BigSkyDefenders.com to find out more on how you can fight back against local and federal criminal charges. So let me ask you this then. There's, to me, there's two... So much of this is, comes down to the specifics of this game because I do think that this is a different scenario than the last time the Grizz went to the national championship. It used to be a 16-team bracket. There was no buy on the front end or on the back end. You went... Rivalry game against the Cats, right into the playoffs. Go, go, go. the national go. championship game, you were going mm-hmm. to Chattanooga, Tennessee, across the country with no rest, no time to prepare, nothing like that. And Coach Elk always talks about, like, the 08 team. They went out to James Madison, won, came back to Missoula, went to the training room one day, had a walkthrough one day, got on a plane again, and they had to be back because the championship game was on a Friday night. So they had to fly to and from the East Coast twice in the span of, like, five days. Like he said, we didn't even practice for that game. And playing an East Coast team who's just sort of there. Yeah. Right. They played Richmond. Sorry about Richmond and Villanova. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 he he was asked, you know, specifically, now that there's a couple weeks, is that better? And he goes, There's absolutely no downside to this. This is so much better for us. And he, he cited that exact thing like you're saying. And so yeah, I definitely think that Coach How um feels like there was a couple of or you know there was a national championship in there that uh probably montana has if their logistical situation is just better than what it what it was so that brings me to to the the specifics of the game i think they are what they are we'll get into that probably a little bit more next week but to me Mm -hmm. there's these there's these there's all these narratives always, you know, on both sides. We just talked about South Dakota State. Can they affirm themselves as this juggernaut? Are they the new dynasty of the FCS? You know, what's that mean for Jimmy Rogers' future? You know, he took over for John Stigelmeyer. Stigelmeyer handed him this team because Stigelmeyer wanted him to be the successor. I mean, Coach Stig came on to on us now after he retired. And, you know, he's gracious as always. Just the funniest, you know, old farm boy yeah. from South Dakota, you know. Just, 
Well, he was like, hey, my wife asked me, why are you retiring right now? Are you crazy? This is going to be your best team. And he's like, well, I know if we if I don't retire right now, if we win it again, Jimmy Rogers is going to be gone. We got to get him the job, you know? So they they did. They they handed it off. So that's that's the SASU side. Then there's the Montana side. And I think there's all these these positives. You know, the RTD, the Grizz are back. The, you know, the team mentality we already talked about. But the two biggest question marks that the Grizz can answer or that they can alter the scope of the narrative are twofold. One, I think that it goes hand in hand. People say two and five in national championship games. That's because Montana has the best home field advantage in the FCS, and when they leave their home field, they can't win in the playoffs. They have only won on the road technically twice because they won at James Madison that 08 game, and then they also won, as you and I well know, because we did that 95 Champions podcast. They won at Marshall, even though that was a quote-unquote neutral site game. It was it was yep. in Marshall Stadium, so twice. Still, though, that's a national narrative. Can't win on the road. The other, the other national narrative is that Bobby Hell can't win the big one, and yep. he knows it. He knows yeah. that that's a narrative, and he also knows that that narrative could be dispelled swiftly if you beat a team on a 28-game winning streak that's the number one team in the country. Yeah, well, this is – I mean, this is exactly what I was going to ask you about, too, is the specifically Bobby Houck angle of this being 0-3 in national championships and really having in, in the scope of his uh, professional life one – one big thing left on his bucket list, I think you got to say. I mean, you know, he he was the head coach at a you know at an FBS program, went to a bowl game. He's you know been been around you know quite a bit, and you know he's 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 not an old guy. And if he if he wants to go somewhere else and try you know to make another run with another program somewhere somehow, um, he certainly has the 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 future out there in front of him to do it, but. At the University of Montana, his home, you know, and the one thing that he just hasn't done is is win the national championship, that with multiple opportunities to do so. Um, and in this one, not just to win it, but to win it, I mean, truly out of the clear blue, both from a season standpoint and when they are a two-score underdog against the hands-down number one team in the nation. You know, I mean, on the outside, I don't think a lot of people are picking Montana to win this football game. And like you said, like what a moment or an opportunity for him personally um, to to exercise those demons. If if that's what I mean, look, man, you got pretty good to, to get to three national championships, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But sometimes these things do they they get on to people and it's like, oh, man, well, you know, you oh, go and oh, and three, oh, oh, and four. And people kind of go, well, I guess that's I guess that's the ceiling, uh, which I think is silly, by the way. But I understand that that's that's out there. And I wonder how much. whether it's pressure or I wonder how much, how, how much influence that has on, on Bobby, how the person uh, in terms of, you know, how much of a consideration that is, obviously he's going to say zero, but, sure. um, but, but also no, no one wants to win the thing more than he does too. Right. I mean, that's the whole, that's the reason you're here. You play to win sure. the game, right? So well, and that's I think what that, I think he has. I don't want to put thoughts or words in the man's mouth, but and part of this is just proximity bias on my part, having had a front row seat to all of this. But I think that there's there's definitive moments of regret from at least two of the three national championship games the Grizz have been to under Coach Houck. in 2004. They didn't scout the field well enough. And this is, you know, this sounds like excuse making when you when you lose, but they didn't scout the field well enough. And James Madison wore cleats that were equipped for this field and they drove the Grizz off the ball the whole game. And that was like a narrative coming out. We did not have our footing. We were getting blasted off the ball. It sounds like a loser's mentality to blame it on just the cleats or whatever. But I do think that Coach Houck thought, dang, I did not prepare for that correctly. The next time we do it, I'm gonna be prepared for that. In 09, it was Mark Mariani was going the going all the way off. He was going off in the first half. And then for whatever reason, they went away from him. He was their best player. He had gotten him to that point. He had like nine catches for over 100 yards in the first half. 
Then they went away from it. And I know that that's been something that's eaten at them since because they haven't get, been back to this point since. That's where I think, like, you know, Coach Elk, in terms of his, his strengths and weaknesses as a coach, perhaps his greatest strength is as a logistical freak. I mean, he is as organized and as militant as you can be, right? That's where I think that this, you know, Jimmy Rogers has been here before in other capacity. As a defensive coordinator, you know, he was there last year. I just think that that's a, a stark advantage for Montana. You got a head coach with a chip on his shoulder who's a veteran who's not going to let something escape him again. You know, and what what was the thing where, like, um, Andy Reid – was like 14 and 0 coming out of the bye week, like 14 consecutive seasons right. where when he had a bye week, he's winning the football game, period. Right. Now we could we certainly can't say that. I mean, there's not a history of that to say it, but if you're gonna ask me where the coaching advantage lies, both head coach and I mean, I say this in ignorance of South Dakota State, admittedly. Like I I can't sit here and list for you the coaches over there, what kind of experience they have and all that kind of stuff. But what I can say is that the University of Montana coaching staff um, has been outstanding. And they have some veteran dudes who've been around the block, who know yes. what they're doing. And you give them three weeks, they're gonna have some they're gonna have some stuff in there, right? They're gonna have some they're gonna have some presence for South Dakota State. And I'm sure it's a two-way street, right? That, that that's gonna be the case. But I do think that. There is a there's there's a, an advantage for Montana in in the preparation side of this that's going to matter. Whether it's going to be able to matter enough to tip the scales, I don't know. But there's going to be a couple moments where you go, oh, so that's what you could do with three weeks. You get that thing in there, you know. And I think that that we will see that. The other thing, though, that I wanted to touch on from a football standpoint. So South Dakota State beat Mercer, I think, 41 nothing in their That's first right. playoff game. Yep. Then it was a 20, like 23-12 to 12 win over Villanova. If anybody saw that game, I think it was like 30 to 40 mile an hour winds blowing straight up the stadium. Nobody could complete a pass going into the wind. Nobody could, you know, kick the ball going really either direction. I mean, it was just kind of... It was just one of those things where the elements played such a, a weird tale in that thing. And then in the the semifinal, 59 nothing. By the way, well, and, and this is important. Everybody talks about Junior Bergen and, and the special teams of the Grizzlies. Uh, South Dakota State had a punt return for a touchdown in their national semifinal. They also had a defensive score, a strip fumble, pick it up, take it to the house, defensive touchdown in that football game. What do you score for this? excuse me, 59 points. It probably a lot of different ways to score the football. And it's not as stark because they didn't need either of those to win the game. Like they were never coming close to not beating Albany uh, as it turns out. And it is, I got to say, I just, it would have just been such a more interesting game if it was Idaho in there. Oh, you know, man. I just, I, it, 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 you know, it, it is what it is. And congratulations to the Dukes for going to Moscow and winning. I mean, that's a hell of a win, but it was just a, I mean, that was a terrible semifinal, and it's very hard to take anything out of it. But if you can take something, it's like, hey, they scored every way there is a score. They scored on a 76-yard touchdown bomb. They scored on a 12-play, 8-minute drive. They scored a defensive score. They scored a special team score. Like, every way there was to do it, they did it. And by the way, Goatseg, two out of three games. They've allowed 12 points in three playoff games. I mean, that's that's playing defense, baby. I don't care who it is that you're going up against. So um, especially uh, most of the people who are going to listen to us are Montana folks or Grizzly fans who are going to be uh, uh, biased towards Montana. And I certainly am in, in, the, in terms of having the amount of exposure of watching this team play and what I know about this team, which is quite a lot. Um, it's just very it's important to try and be somewhat uh uh objective and recognize hey uh there's there's dudes over there like and to your so and nobody's many. denying that 
But if you haven't watched it, if you haven't, you're like, oh, well, we got Junior Bergen. Like, what happens when we get a, a punt return for a touchdown? Well, I don't know. What happens if the Jackrabbits have a punt return for a touchdown like they did in their semifinal game? What happens if they get a defensive score like they did in their semifinal game? You know, so um, it's easy. Well, I mean, it's it's impossible not to get excited about this football game. Um, but I, I think that I think there's a lot of Grizz fans who – are SDSU just does not simply does not have the fanfare. They have, I think the respect, but they don't have a lot of the, the firsthand knowledge and observation and, and seeing them, especially from Montana fans that, that other teams have had at times. It's so funny. Cause there's so much familiarity on the Montana state side of things. Cause the cats, right. South Dakota state, what three times in the last 10 years in the playoffs? They also played them in the regular season, I think, five times because mm-hmm. part of that's because Leon Costello, the athletic director at Montana State, came from South Dakota State, right? So they've, they've, you know, had they had like a home, 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 and home where they played, you know, the regular season a whole bunch. So there is a lot of familiarity on that side of it. Have you or a loved one been charged or accused of a crime? If so, the stress can leave anyone feeling helpless and alone. But you don't have to be alone. Hi, I'm Dave Maldonado and I've successfully defended Montanans for over a decade in these situations. So if you're tired of being scared, let's get you prepared. To see how, visit BigSkyDefender.com today. You are not alone. Visit BigSkyDefender.com to find out more on how you can fight back against local and federal criminal charges. Okay, last thing on on my end, and we'll do another one of these next week. Um, It seems to me, I mean, when when you just rattle off the names, I, mean, I think Mark Gronowski is the top quarterback in the FCS. He's a Walter Payton Award finalist. I hope he wins it. I know there's a couple other guys that threw for more yards, but neither of their teams made the playoffs. So if you're the if you're the senior quarterback for the undefeated team, you should you should win the the award. Uh, Isaiah Davis, I think, is going to be drafted in the NFL as a running back. I think they have two really good offensive linemen that are, are probably NFL type guys. I think Zach Hines, their tight end, is an NFL type of guy. And I think Adam Bach, your inside linebacker is as good of a sideline to sideline guys I've seen in the last couple of years. So it seems like the tail of the tape talent wise is, is tipped on the scales tipped towards South Dakota state. That's been the case all season long. It seems like to me, if you are a team that plays the style and the team oriented sort of uh, way that Montana does causing the other team to unravel is the way that you're going to beat this team. How do you make a team unravel on a neutral field? That's what I want to know. Right. Because I just don't think like South Dakota State's not going to be tight and make mistakes. You know, they're not just going to have like uncharacteristic fumbles or picks, but they could give up big plays because you scheme something up or because you hit them in the mouth. I don't know. How do you how do you sort of gain the Montana wins when they gain the momentum? Right. That's the Bobby Houck formula. It has been for the whole time. How do you gain the momentum, seize the momentum, carry the momentum if you're Montana and uh, on a neutral field? I, I think it's very hard to do. Um, I thought if that North Dakota state game was a road game for Montana or a neutral site game, I think North Dakota state wins that game. I mean, they had what do we finally say eight false starts, six right. of those in critical third right. and short types of situations. And that's probably two weeks in a row, right? Cause Furman probably wins the game too. If it's not in Missoula, right? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, congratulations to the Grizzlies for getting the two seed and getting that's a home right. run all the way through that, yep. you know, that's not, that's not disparaging. That's that's tip of the cap stuff. But you're not going to get that in Frisco. That you know, you just you're just not going to get it like that. And I think carrying the way that you get momentum, if you're looking for it, is big plays and probably big plays on special teams for the Grizzlies. Right? I mean, that's if you can find a way to block a punt, if you can somehow find a way, first of all, to get SDSU to kick to you. Um, and second of all, to, to get a big play in the return game, those are the types of things it's not going to be because, um, they jump, they, you know, they, they, they fall start three consecutive plays cause they can't deal with the crowd noise. You know, that, that isn't going to happen. So, but in general, I think it's going to be very, very hard to come by for either of these teams to get really running downhill against the other one. So then the question is in a battle of attrition and a thing that is going to go back and forth and have highs and lows, who's able to sort of stay in it and keep the belief and hold on 
for the longest amount of time. Uh, I think that's that's the team that's going to kind of come out there and do it. Um, obviously, you mentioned that, you know, probably if, if you're talking about talent, the top talent tips to the favor of, of South Dakota State. Um, what I don't know the answer to is where, where are we at with breadth of talent and depth? Because one thing Montana certainly has is depth at multiple positions where they rotate guys in and keep them fresh. My guess is for as good as the talent is at South Dakota State, they're enough of a program. There probably isn't a huge drop off where like, oh, if you lose your number one dude, that's it. The next guy's just a straight scrub coming in. That, that ain't going to be the case. I'll bet they got a great backup tight end who's probably a starter and 95% of the programs in the For country. Sure. You know what I mean? But um, but that said, we do know that Montana has that. Montana's depth is is has been a, a, a real um, high point and strength in this football team. And, um, you know, I don't I, I think that that is going to come into to play in some mode or method here on the first of Jan or on the 7th of January. Well, it's always fun talking ball, especially when it's Christmas break. And uh, yeah, we'll have another one of these when it's game week. But stay tuned on ScottSportsMT.com as well as on this here YouTube channel and on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast channel. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up as we sit here recording this on Tuesday. Eric Tabor. From Montana Sports Info just texted us that uh, we'll have media availability with Grizz guys both before and after practice each of the next three days. So that's fun. That's uh, excellent. It's actually more access than we've gotten all year. So here we go. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be having a bunch of uh, YouTube type interview videos with these guys, and you'll get to hear from the Grizz themselves. So uh, keep it tuned. SkylineSportsMT.com. This YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already, and uh, go subscribe to the Big Sky Breakdown podcast as well. Uh, Gus, thanks for being here, man. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you and everybody else. We'll see you uh, in a week and get one more of these done before Frisco.